This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, September 12th, 2022. I'm Kellen Walker with Automotive News. On today's show, the UAW and Stellantis reach a tentative agreement in Indiana. Large dealership groups are pulling ahead in online customer service. And Tesla says it will finally deliver its promised Cybertruck. Plus, we'll hear from a University of Michigan researcher about how close we are to scaling the solid state batteries that could transform the industry. Trying to manufacture something with football fields of area that's paper thin and that does not break. Because you know what happens when a coffee cup falls off its those batteries, right? And these materials are no different. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. More than a thousand union members at Stellantis's castings plant in Kokomo, Indiana, went on strike Saturday after contract negotiations broke down. But the union and management reached a tentative agreement on a new local contract early today. A prolonged strike at the operation would likely threaten Stellantis vehicle production in North America. Neither the UAW nor Stellantis disclosed details about terms of the agreement. Ratification votes were still ongoing as of early this afternoon. You can find updates at autonews.com. The nation's largest dealer groups are pulling ahead of the pack in online customer service. That's according to a new report from vehicle service tracker Pied Piper. It used 20 best practice behaviors to measure the Internet-led effectiveness of 15 of the nation's largest dealership groups. Practices measured include how quickly customers get a response to a text or email, and if a human responds to customers when using chat functions on dealer websites. In Pied Piper's survey, 12 out of 15 groups scored higher than the industry average. Napleton Automotive Group earned the highest marks with a score of 74 out of 100. Penske Automotive Group and Berkshire Hathaway Automotive placed second and third. Some auto companies are moving to automate aspects of their parts purchasing processes in an attempt to allow their teams more time to manage increasingly complex supply chain issues. Volkswagen is pushing for completely automated buying of certain components. The company can set up approvals and target settings in advance, and those parts can be completely bought by a computer. A spokesman for a large tier one supplier who acts not to be identified said that all of the Detroit three are either moving to automate some buying procedures or discussing such a move. And Elon Musk is hailing 2023 as the start of a new product cycle for Tesla. He says missed deadlines in the past have come in part from the need to scale up production of the company's current models. With the inauguration of a new plant in Austin, Texas, and another one in Berlin, Tesla expects to continue its aggressive sales growth by 50% a year while also starting to deliver highly anticipated new products. Musk is promising to bring the delayed Cybertruck, Roadster, and Semi to market in the next year. He's also adding a surprise new promise, a dedicated robo-taxi model as early as 2024. 
Tesla had promised a $25,000 model that fans dubbed the Model 2, but Musk said earlier this year that the automaker is not working on that. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, how far away are we from seeing solid-state batteries transform the auto industry? One leading battery researcher gives us his prediction next on Daily Drive. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene, and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Kellen Walker. What's preventing more car buyers from opting for an electric vehicle? Cost? How far they can drive on a single charge? How long it takes to charge that battery? All of those concerns can be a thing of the past once automakers are able to put solid-state batteries in more of their vehicles. The technology promises to make charging faster, increase range, make batteries lighter, and eventually make vehicles cheaper. Solid-state batteries already exist as prototypes, but they're not economically feasible at this point. University of Michigan mechanical engineering professor Jeff Sakamoto is the director of the university's Energy Frontier Research Center. His team recently received an $11 million federal grant that will fund research for ceramic batteries in EVs that have the potential to double range and eliminate fire risk. He recently spoke with Ron Jamie Butters about his research and how long he thinks it will be before solid state takes over the battery game. Here's their conversation. Jeff Sakamoto, welcome to Daily Drive. Hi, Jamie. Nice to meet you. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to fit us in here. Let's start with the news that uh, came out. You or the university won an $11 million federal grant for research on ceramic batteries for electric vehicles. And what kind of operation does that fund? What, what will you be doing with that money? Yeah, so just a bit of background on the Department of Energy and what they fund. They fund uh, different types of research. And basically, there are three arms of research. One is basic energy sciences. That's fundamental research. Mm -hmm. And there's applied research um, that bridges the gap between fundamental research and commercialization type research. And then there's the commercialization research. So what this particular center is funded out of, the focus of this center is fundamental research. So this is coming out of the basic energy sciences arm of the Department of Energy. And therefore, with this type of research, we're really trying to understand at a fundamental scientific 
mechanistic level how batteries operate, and in particular, a new kind of battery, which we're all very excited about and probably heard in the news. It's a battery that's based on lithium or sodium or hydrogen that's all solid state, and it's solid state, and in particular, the solid state material is a ceramic. So that's the focus of our center. It's uh, learning about fundamental aspects of lithium, sodium, and, and hydrogen transport and electrochemistry with these ceramic materials. Okay, so you you said that this funding, this DOE funding was for basic energy science. So this was not necessarily part of like the infrastructure bill or the Inflation Reduction Act or any, any of those recent pieces of legislation? No, this is separate. These centers, they're called Energy Frontier Research Centers. They've been around since 2009 and they come out of a different pot of money basically that's separate from the infrastructure bill. Great, great. The solid state battery technology, are they all ceramics or is this a, a branch of solid states? Is this a, a field within solid state? So what makes this a solid state battery is the electrolyte. So right now in our lithium ion batteries, there is a liquid component and that is the electrolyte. And an electrolyte's purpose or function is to only conduct ions such as lithium uh, through the through the liquid, basically. So with a solid, it conducts lithium ions or sodium ions or hydrogen in a similar way. And with solid state batteries, I can just tell you right now, some might not agree with this, but our particular center is focused on, you know, if there's a horse race with eight or 10 horses, you know, I think we selected like the three fastest horses, I'll say that, three categories <laughs> of materials. And in this particular case, they, they're all ceramics. So, but just to mention the other, Horse or type of horse, they're also uh, polymers or plastic type mm -hmm. uh, electrolytes. And that's not the focus uh, of our uh, research center. So if you're doing, I mean, ceramics, I think of right, like pottery, right? And uh, coffee cups. I mean, so that seems a lot more fragile than, you know, a steel block engine. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. So that's one of the challenges in our center. Actually, I'm in mechanical engineering and four out of the six faculty involved in the center there are eight other institutions off campus but four out of the six faculty at the U of M campus are in the department of mechanical engineering mm -hmm. so what you just said about the mechanical behavior physical properties of the ceramics that is really one of the focal areas of this center is how to take advantage of like the stiffness and the physical properties that ceramics can offer but also acknowledging that they can be brittle this also is the achilles heel of the ceramics and that they're difficult to manufacture and also different phenomena are invoked because of their brittle nature when you're cycling a solid state battery. So these are some of the aspects that we are studying in this center is how to take, again, take advantage, capitalize on the mechanical, physical, and chemical stability of ceramics, but then also how to address the degradation mechanisms that are unique to ceramic based solid state batteries versus a liquid based electric, liquid electrolyte based battery or a polymer based uh, solid state battery. What are the other challenges for ceramics or other solid state batteries to you know, become mainstream or, you know, mass manufacturable? There are two types of ceramics. Again, if you had to, the way I look at the, the horses in the race, the ones mm -hmm. that some are based on uh, oxygen based ceramics and some are based on sulfur based ceramics and they have different type of benefits and drawbacks. So when we look at ceramics, again, based on their fragility, if you think about something that's brittle, and then in a battery, in a lithium battery, all the components are maybe 
about the thickness of a piece of paper. And so that's a thickness. Now if you think about the area for an electric vehicle battery, if you were to unwind all these batteries or unpack or disassemble all these batteries that go into like a Tesla, for example, or Chevy Volt, uh, mm-hmm. they would cover like an, a football field or more of area. So now imagine trying to manufacture a solid state battery, you know, and, and the cost is a big, big issue here. So the cost mm-hmm. has to be relatively simple, reproducible and scalable. Trying to manufacture something with football fields of area that's paper thin and that does not break because we know what happens when a coffee cup falls off its own batteries, right? And this, these materials are no different. Yeah, especially one that is uh, paper thin. It's not okay. going to be very durable when it falls off the table. That's right. So we have to understand the mechanical behavior for two reasons. One is just the manufacturability, right? How do you deal with what we just talked about in terms of manufacturability? But the other is these degradation mechanisms, right? So that, that's really, again, that's yeah. why mechanics is central to this center. So th- there are a number of challenges. We've got, we've got costs, we've got manufacturability, durability. It sounds like uh, it's, it's still a long way away from, from reaching an industrial level. If, if you had to ballpark it, I mean, what are, we, what are we looking at in terms of time to, to really making a difference in the, the vehicles we see on, on dealers' lots and in our neighbors' driveways? Yeah, I want to be very, very clear on my, my message here. Because we know in the automotive industry, uh, profits are razor thin, right? And then not only are the profits razor thin, but when you think of a technology that's going to replace supplant internal combustion engine technology, which is basically all transportation on Earth, hmm. you got to think about, you know, if I'm going to make a, uh, a battery out of, out of that requires element X or elements X, Y, and Z, is there enough of it? Is it toxic? Where is it coming from? So there's a lot of constraints, costs, availability, sustainability, supply chains, these kinds of things. Those constraints tell me that, you know, there's no solid state battery industry yet, but it's going to take many years, at least five to 10 years. Yes, there will be prototypes that show that they work, but those will not be cost competitive prototypes, mm-hmm. not by a long shot. So that's one perspective. But I don't want to say it's all doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom. I just we have to be patient about this because there's still some fundamental aspects that we have to learn about on the manufacturing side and then also just on the operation side. Five to 10 years, I mean, that's not magic, but... If the goal of the government and the people trying to limit the worst effects of global warming, say we need to get to 50% EVs by 2030, 10 years is close to 2030, and it could be a really powerful uh, market lever at, at some point. I, yeah. I feel optimistic. Yeah. You tell me five five to 10 years, I'm thinking that sounds pretty good. I, I think so. I, I think just lithium ion is going to get us far. The current state-of-the-art lithium-ion batteries are fantastic, like I said, and they're making great strides and making it cheaper and trying to use more sustainable materials. But, you know, if there's another class of battery out there that has twice the energy density as an, and is inherently inflammable, that can garner a lot of attention. But let me say this. So I, I grew up in Silicon Valley, and, you know, NASA was there, and they were the motivator between behind the integrated circuit, right? And in the 1960s, when they were implanting single atoms into these single crystal materials, to make these integrated circuits, to think that that would be scalable to the point to this today. That I mean, all of us have these cell phones and laptops where these chips. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is nanotechnology basically. It's, a, it's almost it's like so cheap. Now think about that. You know that the amount of investment and the patience that went into that. Can we use the same kind of investment and patience to make a battery? But now we're just working at a different length scale, right? So now it's not individual atoms. Now it's like individual particles and such. So again, getting back to what you said about the, the importance here is like, I think it, 
just given the impact that this will have. If we're going to replace the internal combustion engine for good, all bat batteries will power uh, electric vehicles, all transportation will be electrified. I think it's worth that investment. I think it's worth the, the patience for this particular technology. If it's not five years, it's not 10 years. I mean, if it's 50 years, that's a big, I mean, that's something else. We can't. That's not good enough. Process. Yeah. Yeah. We're just about out of time. I know you've got a study group uh, waiting for you. I just wanted to ask you, know, I want to make sure that the listeners understand the scope of what you're doing. You you got some money and this DOE grant to study this basic research, but you are also looking at the entire suite of problems and challenges surrounding ceramic batteries. That's right. So this is fundamental research the center will do conduct, but I and many of us here on campus are also looking at applied research and also commercialization research, where the commercialization research is really focused on manufacturability, right? So this is what we know there's, this is good technology at a fundamental level. A couple of things we need to understand a little bit better, but in parallel to the science, we need to move commercialization forward in, in parallel so we can accelerate the, the development, the maturation of these batteries. Okay, well, we're all counting on you. I'll let you get back to it. Jeff Sakamoto, Director of the Energy Frontier Research Center at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Thank you for joining me today on Daily Drive. Thank you very much, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on new battery technology, UAW negotiations with automakers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with ITS America President and CEO Laura Chase about the life-saving potential of V2X technology and why it's taking so long to bring connected car tech to the market. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.